0: Let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles now together to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, as we pick back up in our series, Messy Grace. Happy New Year to everybody. Happy New Year to those that are watching online. Let's begin reading in verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, but what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not committing ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance, and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. And therefore, all have died. And He died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God God making His appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Chapter 6, verse 1. Working together with Him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Father, we thank you for your word. Speak, O Lord. Speak, O Lord, through this time in your holy word. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Nineteen years ago, when I was doing an internship at Covenant Fellowship in Pennsylvania, I was giving, given an opportunity to preach a message in a series of messages they were doing about helping people change. It was a series that was inspired by a newly published book by Paul Tripp called Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. And it's still one of the best books I know on counseling to this day. The tagline of the book is, is this. People in need of change, helping people in need of change. So anyway, the passage that I was assigned was the very passage I just read to you. And I was stressing over this. I was nervous about this. I hadn't preached in a while, and I wasn't sure how to connect the theme to this passage effectively. It also didn't help that uh, that church was about 1,200 people on any given Sunday. So, um, you know, if you're going to fall on your face... You might as well do it spectacularly, right? In front of thousands of people. Um, The Lord had mercy on me. He woke me up in the middle of the night and I opened the Scripture and I I went out of the bedroom and I I began. I, I felt like the Lord gave me an outline, which I began to write down, and He gave me a title. And I would like to share an updated version of that message. The title of the message is The Appeal of an ambassador the appeal of an ambassador and i'd like to share it in a similar framework and that is asking the question how can we help people change this passage is all about ministry paul is defending his ministry but it's broader it's broader than just his ministry it is about what ministry is meant to look like and i think it's a great Framework for us to have, how do we help people change? How can we, you and I, be an influence for spiritual growth and spiritual change in other people's lives? Let's ask it this way How can we help people make godly choices and grow in Christ in 2021? Paul writes, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Knowing the reality and the glory and the coming judgment of God, we persuade others. We work to convince them and see them move from here to there. But persuade them of what and persuade them how? Certainly in context, Paul is talking about persuading people to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and that is always a massive part of Paul's ministry but I think in context we also see that ministry expands larger than just reaching the lost and it has in mind helping believers change as well now we all have areas we need to change in right We all have areas we need to change in. I have areas I need to change in. You have areas you need to change in. And we want to change. And this passage helps us and gives us guidance in changing, in growing. But, God didn't put you on earth just to be the best you you can be. He didn't put you on earth just to be, make your life as good as it can possibly be, or even as Christ-like or as godly as it can possibly be. He gifted you. He has shaped you to help and influence others towards godly change as well. He wants you to bump against other lives and have an influence and an impact. None of us are just here to work on ourselves. And so one of the beauties of this passage is it calls us out of working on ourselves, which right there is a great step towards working on ourselves, and calls us towards helping other people to change. But we all know we have... So much work left to be done in our lives, don't we? We all know that we have so many areas that are not where they should be, and we need change in our lives. And we can think that that means we're not qualified. I'm not qualified to help someone else change. I'm not qualified because I have so many areas I need to grow in. I have so many areas God is working on me in and that I need to change in. And that's where it gets messy but it's a good mess. It's a grace-filled mess because God doesn't want you to wait until you are perfected to begin to help other people see change and growth in their lives. Or you'll be waiting until Jesus comes back. God wants to use us to help other people. People in need of change helping People in need of change. But how do we do that? How do we help? What do we have to offer to somebody who's hurting? What do you have to offer to someone who's bound by an addiction? Or someone whose life is falling apart? How do we help those who have been abused or those who are abusers? How do we help the person whose life is in the grip of pride and it's destroying everything they touch? How do we help someone come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? I think verse 20 gives us the the foundational answer to these questions. Paul writes this, Therefore, we are ambassadors... For Christ, God making His appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So this isn't just for some Christians, this is for all believers. When we come to Christ, we become ambassadors for Jesus Christ. All Christians are ambassadors for Christ. Paul Tripp writes this. This lifestyle, and he's speaking of the lifestyle of an ambassador, is not simply for the few who are privileged to minister as a career. God's kingdom work, listen to this, God's kingdom work involves every member of the body of Christ. Whether you are a child, a spouse, a neighbor, a relative, a pastor, an employer, or employee, a teacher, a student, or a friend, all of your relationships must reflect your ambassadorial calling. God sends unfinished people to unfinished people with the message of his grace so that he can reclaim every heart for his glory. An ambassador of Christ is about kingdom work. We are sent by the king, we represent the king. And here's the thing, ambassadors are not free to say whatever they want. An ambassador is sent representing a nation, a government, a king, and they are to represent and speak on behalf of that nation or that government or that king. They are not free to, to riff and, and improvise and say what they want. All right. God making his appeal... Through us. God speaking his appeal through us. And it's what God says, not what we think, that help people experience kingdom change in their lives. When I was uh, about 22 years old, I was driving home one evening. And uh, all of a sudden, the car started running really rough. I mean, it just started running rough. It felt like it was going to stall any minute. And so I pulled over, and I had this low-grade concern. I was never good about changing oil. To me, I changed the oil when the engine ceased. <laughs> that was it. I mean, I was just horrible about it. I've gotten better over the years. So, but I always lived, when anything went wrong, with this low-grade concern that it's the oil. And so as the car is running rough, I'm sure it's the oil. So I pull over, excuse me, and I, uh, I pull out the dipstick, and it reads full. It reads full. So I'm like, I try it again. I wipe it off. I put it in. I pull it out. I do that a couple times, and it's reading full. And yet I'm sure the problem is that it's low on oil. So I realize the dipstick is malfunctioning. And now, so I pull over to a convenience store and I buy three quarts of oil. <clears throat> and I pour all three quarts of oil. I'm, I'm playing it safe, baby. I am going to play this thing safe. Pour all three quarts of oil into the car. And I get in the car and I start to drive away. And guess what? The car did not run any better. I did not fix the car. In fact, I had just added one more thing that was wrong with it. Uh, when I did get it fixed, the mechanic said to me, he said, oh, by the way, and it was something totally different. He said, by the way, somebody put way too much oil in this car. I mean, it's leaking through every seal and gasket everywhere. I'm like, wow, I wonder how that happened. Hey, I'm sorry to say that over the years, I've done the same thing with people. I think I know what they need. I think I know what What will help change them? I think I know what's wrong with them. And so, I pour three quarts of my thoughts, my ideas, my solutions into them. I've done it. Here's the thing. People don't need our thoughts, our opinions, our solutions for their lives. People need a word from God. They need a word from God. And that's what we are to give as ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. So we see in this passage four characteristics of the appeal of an ambassador of Christ. We are only going to cover the first two this week, and then we'll cover the second two next week. But the first thing we see, I think it jumps out on us in verse 14, is The appeal of an ambassador of Christ is motivated by the love of Christ. Look with me again at verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And He died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died and was raised. We know in Corinthians, he's defending his ministry against the false apostles. And we saw it earlier in this very passage we read, where he's saying, um, I hope we don't have to keep committing ourselves to you. Here, Paul opens the the heart, the window to his heart and says, here is what motivates our ministry. It's the love of Christ. The love of Christ controls our ministry. It compels our ministry. It constrains our ministry. Or holds together all aspects of our ministry. The love of Christ. And where does Paul see that love of Christ? The most powerful demonstration ever of the love of God and the love of Christ will always be, will ever be, the cross where Jesus died for our sins. That is the high point of the love of God being demonstrated for us. One has died for all, therefore, All have died. The cross is the greatest act of love in history. It was love that caused God to send His Son. It was love that caused Jesus to willingly lay down His life. It was love for you and love for me. And love for this world. Verse 15 tells us Jesus died for our sin in order to change what we live for. He says that those who live might no longer live for themselves. Change of, of, of why we live. Change of direction of what our lives are about. That those who live in Christ might no longer live for themselves but for Him for whose sake, for their sake, who for their sake died and what was raised. So what we see when we put these verses together is that Jesus loved us with such a great love that He gave His life to save us. That's the love of Christ that controls us. And that love expresses itself in changing us. Jesus is about changing us. He died on the cross not just so we stay the way we are. But He loves us enough to love us as we are, but work to change us. That we might no longer live for ourselves. That's a dead-end life. That is a life that is headed towards death and emptiness and barrenness. And that we might live for Him who gave His life for us and was raised on the third day. So it's love that also changes what our life is about. I want you to think about, when I talk about somebody changing, is there a face that comes to your mind? Wives, probably, uh, I could probably guess who comes to your mind first. But is there a face that comes to mind, boy, I'd like to see that person change. Boy, I'd love to see that person change. There's a lot of reasons for wanting to see people change. Amen? There's a lot of reasons. It could be that we just don't like the way they are. I want you to change because I don't like the way you are. We could want people to change because they really bug us. You ever have somebody just annoys you? And you're like, change, will you? We could also like to see people change because maybe some people love to control people and they love to see people become more like them. They, they want to tinker with people's lives. Change. I can help you change. I'm going to put my oil in you and boy, you're going to run better. You're going to feel better. And we could, we could want to see people change because they disagree with us. And we want to move them to agree with us. There's so many reasons, but there's only one right reason for wanting to see people change. And that is love. And that is love. The love of Christ that wants to see people live the life God has called them to live. To be free from that sin that is binding them. To be free from the guilt, the shame, the emptiness, the pride, whatever it is. As ambassadors of Christ, we are not only to say what Jesus says, we're to say it the way Jesus says it. And that is motivated by love. Now when we think about love, we want to make sure that we're not thinking just sentimental and just you know always mushy, and um you know if we just measure love by you know, boy, that person always says what I want to hear, what i what feels good to me, they love me, and that person seems to always kind of nettle me a little bit, and they're saying things that challenge me they I, I wish they loved me we, we can't understand love that way. sometimes love means saying things that are hard for a person to hear. I want God to say things to me that are hard to hear, don't you? I don't want God to always be agreeing with me. And I know He doesn't. And sometimes when we love somebody, we've got to love them enough to speak a word that is hard for them to hear, maybe even painful for them to hear. Paul knew about that. His first experience with Jesus was he was on the road to Damascus. And the direction of his life was this. I want to imprison and kill every Christian I meet, and I want to crush the name of Jesus Christ into the ground. That was the direction Paul was going in. And Jesus apparently had a bit of an issue with that direction. And so here's what love looked like for Paul. His name was Saul then. He's riding along on his direction, and love, the love of Christ, smash-mouthed him right off his horse and onto the ground. His first experience with Jesus was to get knocked flat off the horse onto the ground. It must have been a little painful. And there on the ground, Jesus, in love, said, What are you doing, Saul? The way you're living your life is hard. Change direction and serve me. That was the love of Christ as it impacted Saul, Paul, his life. So God making His appeal through us won't always be saying what people want to hear. The the kisses of an enemy are deceitful, but the wounds of a friend are faithful. So, sometimes God making His appeal through us is going to be painful. Change is not easy. Change is often costly. Forgiveness costs. When we call someone to forgive someone, It's going to cost them. Humbling our pride hurts. We literally have to die to pride. Breaking addictions hurt. Going from an abusive mindset to a compassionate mindset is going to be hard. Change isn't easy. And helping people change means sometimes we say things that aren't easy for someone to hear, but they need to hear. So that, my, that person that comes to your mind or those people that come to your mind that you're thinking, boy, I'd love to see them. And, it, and, and I, I'm believing that your motives really are good. I love them and I want to see them change. I want to see them. I know they're going in the wrong direction. I want to encourage you that God may want to use your voice to make His appeal. But let's do this. Let's ask God, before we just start pouring oil in, to give our hearts the love of Christ so that people may not agree with what we say, but they sense that we care. They sense that we love them. The appeal of an ambassador of Christ is motivated by the love of Christ. Secondly, the appeal of an ambassador of Christ depends on the power of new creation. Verse 16 Paul writes, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Paul's saying we don't, we don't measure each other according to fleshly categories. Paul says, one time I did that with Jesus. I measured him by fleshly categories. You know, human beings are constantly assessing, evaluating, and judging one another. We all do it, don't we? We size each other up, don't we? You you do it, I do it. And and we, we make judgments based on all kinds of categories. Some of them are really superficial, we, we meet a new friend and they come driving up in a 2020 Tesla and we assess them one way. They come driving up in a 1980 Ford Pinto. We assess them another way. We put pa- people in categories based on things. That are, they're all over the place, all over the map. I mean, it, it's impossible, but nationality, skin color, education, wealth. Vocation, status, looks, athleticism, humor, personality, popularity. I mean, it just goes right on and on. Have you ever met somebody you like right away because they look like somebody you once knew that you liked? Have you ever met someone you don't like because they remind you of somebody that you don't like? We assess constantly. Sometimes we assess people as failures, the losers. We assess someone as unimportant because they don't measure up in some ways or less important than other people because maybe they, they're, they're not in the cool club. You know, I, I was reading about a church where the pastor recently, unfortunately, fell uh, in scandal. But they said one of the persons in the church was honest because this was like a really high celebrity name pastor who wore like designer clothes um, and, and all this sort of thing. And in somebody... In the church was honest to take a look back and say, "There was a hierarchy of coolness." In other words, you were at different levels depending on how cool you dressed and looked and sounded and all this sort of thing. And so we assessed they're less important because they're not as cool, they're not as whatever, Or they're more important because they are cool, they are wealthy, they are important in some way. We assess all these things. We put in so many labels on people. And that's what Paul means. He says, we no longer regard people that way. We don't look. That's why Paul could go to Peter. You know, Paul's a new apostle. Nobody even really knows he's an apostle. Peter is the man. And Paul, first thing he does is he rebukes Peter. He rebukes Peter. And when he writes about in Galatians, he says, I don't care who this guy is. Some people think he's important. He's not trying to demean Peter. He's just saying, I care about God's opinion. That's it. Their their name, title, this and that, that doesn't mean anything to me. He once looked at people like that. He once did that to Jesus. He judged Jesus as a false Messiah. And he was out to crush and silence every believer and and ground Jesus' name into into the earth. But He was knocked off his horse by the risen Christ. And, And here's what happened. Paul didn't get up persuaded. He got up a new creation. He got up a new creation. And now he can't look at people the same way. And he certainly can't look at Jesus Christ the same way. This isn't about, is He a good teacher? Was He a good man? Was He a good prophet? He is the living God, the Son of God, the risen One, the Lord of all. And I got up believing in him a new creation that's what christianity is that's what salvation is jesus didn't come to refurbish our creation he came to give us make us new creations in christ and so we want to we want to look at people in that way as eternal beings made in the image of god and if they have a lot of importance we treat them the same way and i'm talking about fleshly as someone who Fleshly doesn't seem so important. Jesus did that throughout his ministry. He was always reaching the outcast, the loser, the fringe, the the person that nobody else cared about. That's who he focused on. But there's another thing too. We want to be careful. We're not judging people as far as where they're at with Christ or how how you know much hope there is for them, because we may look at somebody and say, you know, they're really close to being a Christian. I'm going to share Jesus with them because they're nice and they're moral and they seem open to talk about the things of God and all that's good. But we may look at someone else and say, I'm I'm not talking Jesus with them. They they love sin. They're antagonistic towards the things of God. They make fun of Christians. They're hard-hearted. I'm not going to talk to them about the Lord. Well, guess which category Paul was in before he got saved? He was the, I'm out to kill every Christian I meet category. And Jesus changed him into a new creation. So, we don't want to put labels on people and say, oh, that person's this and they'll always be that. And it. God is in the business of changing lives. God is about transforming lives. In Christ, we are a new creation, not a refurbished creation. So, if you are in Christ, if you are trusting in Christ, if Jesus is your Savior, this is God's appeal to you. And it's a great appeal for the new year. You are a new creation in Christ. Know that. Believe that. Because it is true. You are a new creation in Christ. You might fail but you are not a failure. You might be sinning, but you are not a slave to sin. You are a new creation in Christ. You might get discouraged, but you are never hopeless. You are a new creation in Christ. And here's what I want to encourage us to do, especially in this new year, this wonderful new year that we have. Take all that messy grace going on in your life as a new creation and give it to other people. Extend it to other people. People in need of change. Helping people in need of change. I want to close with this thought That's central to all that I'm sharing is the Word of God. This is central to all that I am sharing. This is the Word of God. If we leave this, what we're giving are three quarts of our own ideas, our own thoughts, our own philosophies. And they may sound good, and they may make sense, and I'm not saying they're valueless, but they don't have spiritual power to transform lives. God making his appeal through us. God's word through us. And that has to be centered on this word. One of the reasons as we are considering how do we incorporate context for deeper Bible study is is this realization. Talking about God's appeal through us, here's an appeal from God. Here's a... Here's a statement from God. Actually, it is an appeal. In Romans 12, two, he says, do not be conformed to the world. That's an appeal. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, now this is interesting because we are new creations in Christ. That word is to believers. And God says, as new creations... Don't be squished into the the mold or the conformity of this world, but be transformed. Rise above what the world is and what they think and how they live. Rise above that. How? By the renewing of your minds. And how do we renew our minds? Through the Word of God. It's the Bible. The Holy Spirit takes the Bible and He pierces our hearts with it. And He comforts our hearts with it. And the Holy Spirit convicts our hearts with the Bible. And the Holy Spirit draws us near to Christ through His Word and reveals to us who God is and who we are. The Holy Spirit takes the Word of God to renew our minds and transform our lives. We are new creations in Christ, but we're still in need of being transformed and having our minds renewed through the Word of God. And as we allow God's Word to get more deeply in us, we become more effective ambassadors of Christ, more clear for God to make His appeal through us. So let's pray. As people in need of change, helping people in need of change, let's ask God to help us and empower us to be more effective ambassadors for Christ in 2021. Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Father, first of all, it is our great privilege and it is our great honor to be ambassadors for jesus christ to represent jesus christ in a world and it is an honor to be even scoffed at and scorned because of our faith in christ it, he is such an honor such a king such a glorious lord that it is an honor to even to suffer for his namesake lord we carry his name as ambassadors We represent Jesus Christ as ambassadors. Lord, we ask you to empower us by your Holy Spirit. We ask you, Lord, to fill our hearts with the love of Christ, the love that cares and loves and and values people so deeply. A love that is um, loving in how we share, but also truthful and courageous to bring the Word of God to people where they need to hear Your Word. Lord, help us to live in new creation life, to shed the old thoughts, renew our minds, help us to break the conformity to this world and be transformed, and help us, O God, to live that transformed life, unfinished, imperfect, still in need of change, but help us to look outward and help others, God, to grow towards christ if they don't know jesus lord we want to help them come to know the savior if they do know jesus we ask you lord to help us to help them to grow in their walk with you and help our hearts to be humble to have to allow others to help us as well and all of this by your word by the holy spirit for the glory of jesus which is to the great glory of god the father it's in your name we pray amen amen. So God's got people for you to minister to. We've said it before, you're all ministers of the gospel. You're ambassadors for Jesus Christ. I pray that God will make you fruitful, courageous, and loving as you go forth into this year and minister the grace of God to others. God bless. Happy New Year, and have a great week.